And just this year has transitioned to the ministry he's going to be sharing with us about, um, Metanoia. And uh, it's a, it is a prison ministry um, with the PCA. And he also will be bringing the word to us uh, later today during the worship service. So before he comes up, let me just dedicate our time to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. Our great God, thank you for bringing us together this morning. Thank you for everybody who's here. And thank you, Lord, for the great work that your spirit is doing in the world, bringing about renewal and faith and repentance. And we thank you so much for Pastor Ivy. Thank you for his faith. Thank you for his own personal testimony. And thank you, Lord, for his heart for those in prison. We pray, Father, that you bless our, our time that we get to have together learning about this ministry, and you bless our dear brothers who shares with us, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Welcome. Good morning, and thank you for the privilege of being able to be here and to speak to you this morning about something very close to my own heart. I'm here also with my daughter, Geneva. She's going to be very embarrassed that I'm Uh, introducing her this way, but she's 10 years old. She's the oldest of our five children. We've got one on the way as well, uh, which is why the whole family can't be here. Um, But uh, very thankful that I have a traveling companion. She she was here with me also for the Ligonier Regional Conference, which we enjoyed very much and were able to present for Metanoia Prison Ministries. Um, I'd like to start off this morning by reading from Psalm 142, and I'll explain in a moment why this is such a precious portion of Scripture to me. So let me read, beginning at verse 5, Psalm 142, beginning at verse 5. I cried out to you, O Lord. I said, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise your name. The righteous shall surround me, for you shall deal bountifully with me. As I mentioned a moment ago, I serve as the director, uh, the brand new director, so you'll have to forgive me if my presentation is not quite as polished as I would like for it to be. In fact, you'll see um, my slide here is an old slide from 2015. I haven't even had the time to make my own presentations yet. I'm relying on a presentation from the former director, Mark Casson. Um, but I hope you'll forgive me for that. I may not even really use much of that material, but uh, it, it gives, it, it'll give me something to go to if, if I run out of things to say. Um, I, um, I want to begin here at Psalm 142, and um, this is a precious portion of God's Word to me personally because I used to pray this prayer, especially verse 7, bring my soul out of prison that I may praise your name. Uh, I spent 15 and a half years in the Texas Department of Criminal Justice for a crime that I committed when I was 19 years old. I committed uh, an armed robbery. I had done several other armed robberies, but I got caught for that one in Arlington, Texas, and spent uh, 15 and a half years, 10 of that, in solitary confinement. Um, 
there's a lot that I could say about that time, but I just want to fast forward to what the Lord did. Um, in the year 2000, I was scanning the radio dial. I had a little clear uh, plastic radio. It was clear because you, the officers needed to be able to see inside to make sure there was no contraband inside of the radio. And I was scanning the dial. I didn't know what I was looking for. Um, really aimless in many ways, bored out of my mind in solitary confinement. And the Lord used a radio program that um, a small group of Christians ha- had bought airtime on this, on this radio station. It was a country music radio station. They bought airtime on the station every Sunday night. They had a radio program called Here Comes the Light. And they knew that in that area where they were broadcasting, there were probably 60,000 prisoners who could possibly hear uh, that broadcast of that program, Here Comes the Light. And I don't know how many others might have had the same experience, but I know that the Lord used that radio program to shine the light of His gospel into my sin-darkened heart. And I knelt on my bunk, tears streaming, pleading with the Lord to make me a new creature, which He had already begun to do. Um, I often will say that um, I didn't know anything about what it meant to be a Christian, much less a Reformed Christian, Um, but I knew that whatever had been done to me, God had done it. I hadn't done that. Um, The Lord was the one who completely changed my heart. And so I spent nine nine years in prison as a Christian, uh, growing, learning, reading the Scriptures for the first, uh, not really for the first time. I had read portions of Scripture, but I'd never really read it as a Christian. I'd never read it with the, the Spirit of God working in my heart to help me to understand what I was reading. I'd read it for my own purposes. And, and now I was reading the book of Genesis, for example, and, and I had been a gang member. Uh, I had been a member of a white supremacist gang, and the Lord had delivered me from the racism that was part and parcel of that. That had be, become my identity. Uh, I, I I thought of everything through the lens of white supremacy or racism. And the Lord, he didn't take every sin away in a moment of time, but that sin he took away. He completely erased that, that way of thinking from, from my heart and mind and, and delivered me from that. Um, of course, in many other ways, I was needing to grow, and, and the Lord was working uh, in my heart. Um, but I was reading the book of Genesis, and I was seeing that God was not only my father, but he was the father of Abraham. And Abraham was the father of many nations, and God had a plan. And that plan throughout all of Scripture was to bring his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into the world. And a part of that plan also, a huge part of that plan, was to bring the nations together in one body, the church. And so back to Psalm 142. I was in solitary confinement. I was crying out to the Lord, pleading with him that I could one day make parole. I came up for parole four times, and on the fifth time, I finally did make parole. But each time I was praying that the Lord would bring me out of prison so that I could gather together with his people and worship him on the Lord's day, morning and evening, as you all do. Um, It's something that I want to impress upon you that we ought not to take for granted the privilege that we have of worshiping the Lord, Lord's Day after Lord's Day, together with his people. It's a great 
and wonderful privilege that we have. And I was crying out to the Lord, not just to be released from prison, but to be released from prison so that I could gather together with his people, worship him, and have fellowship with my fellow believers in Christ. Now, there were other believers in prison, and that's one of the things that I want to uh, encourage you to think about, because you as a church already know this. Um, we, I was speaking with the elders this morning uh, about your brother Clint, who um, he's coming in or he has come into membership already? This Thursday. This Thursday. So, um, so uh, and, and, and Matthew and I have spoken, uh, we spoke, I guess it was back in January, uh, about Clint and about how the church ought to think about uh, those in prison and all the complexities that are involved with bringing somebody into membership. But, but what I have seen this church do is exactly, <clears throat> excuse me, exactly what I would hope to see any church doing. Um, I, I didn't begin to study the Westminster Confession of Faith and Catechisms. Uh, I began, when I started looking into the confessions of the faith, I began with uh, the three forms of unity. And um, one of those is the Belgic Confession. And Article 28 of the Belgic Confession says that it's the duty of every Christian to join himself or herself to the true church. And my question for myself was, well, how am I going to do that? How am I going to join myself to the true church? Well, I did exactly what Clint has done. He began to, he, I guess, I don't know if this is the first church that he wrote. Uh, it was, it, so this, so he, had, he probably just kept writing and writing to churches, and, and this church responded to his letter and began to uh, disciple him and, and minister to him. Well, that's what I was hoping would happen uh, with me. I wrote uh, letters to various churches, and um, I don't want to speak badly of any church. That's, that's not my, my intent. It just, in God's providence, the churches that I wrote to didn't really know what to do with that, I think. And, um, and I'm very thankful to hear that here is a church that probably felt the same way. We don't know what to do with that. Um, but nevertheless, we know that here is someone who is in great need, and you've sought to minister to him. And, and the result of that, as, as I've also heard, is it, you're not just ministering to him, but there are others as well. Uh, that ministry is, is uh, flowing out in ways that um, you can't predict, you, can't, uh, you don't know what is going to happen, but you know that the Lord is at work. And so I'm very thankful to hear what, what this church is doing. Um, Metanoia Prison Ministries, uh, what let me, let me back up a little bit and say that, um, again, as I mentioned, I'm, I'm very new to this. I've only been doing this for, for six weeks. Um, I'm serving as the director of Metanoia Prison Ministries. But when I got out of prison in 2009, uh, I had the goal of serving the Lord in prison ministry. Uh, I didn't know how that was going to look. By that time, I was a Presbyterian, and I understood something about how Presbyterianism works and I was very doubtful about whether or not it would be possible for me to um, go to seminary and uh, perhaps get ordained as an evangelist by the presbytery and get sent into the prisons. That was, that was my hope, but I wasn't really sure if that was going to be possible. Um, but that was my goal, and so I went to seminary. And um, uh, before that, um, I met my wife, May. I met her in a tiny little OPC congregation in Longview, Texas, um, 
20 members, perhaps, at that church. Uh, we met at an evening worship service. Uh, I, always tell, I would always tell the young people in my congregation, um, this is not the only reason to go to evening worship, <laughs> but it's a good reason. Um, you know, the Lord may actually, um, you may actually meet your, your spouse there, your future spouse. And, and I'm very thankful uh, to, uh, to, to say that um, her family was very welcoming to me. I, I had tattoos all over me. Um, there were questions about, you know, I'm still on parole and all that. We actually waited to get married until I was off parole. But uh, um, May's family, uh, her father especially, when I first spoke with him, he said, if, if God has forgiven you, who am I to hold anything against you? Um, you know, the, the question is whether or not you're walking with the Lord. If you're walking with the Lord, then that's, that's enough. And um, so her family welcomed me. The church welcomed me. I stayed in, in the home of the pastor of the church. He invited me in. His name is Phil Hodson at Christ the King uh, OPC in Longview, Texas. They invited me in. I got to see family worship for the first time. Um, I, I, I learned many, many things in, in the context of that covenant home. Uh, I'm not saying that's the, the model for, for everyone and for every prisoner, um, but, uh, but for me, that was, that was something that the Lord used uh, greatly in my life. The elders of the church uh, uh, spoke to me about the possibility of me going to seminary and even helped me along the way. They even gave me a car to, to drive. Um, I, I began seminary classes, not knowing how I was going to pay for all of that. The Lord provided along the way, and uh, I was able to to do my seminary studies full-time uh, without needing to, to take another uh, uh, job. I, I, actually, I started seminary. I was cleaning, pool, cleaning swimming pools full-time and, um, and, and doing seminary full-time and not doing either one of them very well. Um, and the Lord provided for the rest of my seminary education. I didn't have to work um, outside at all. Uh, so the Lord just uh, showed us very clearly uh, that this was the direction that he had for us to go in. Um, and then in uh, 2015, I graduated from seminary. And by that time, the Lord had begun to work in my heart to think about pastoral ministry rather than prison ministry. I thought, well, as a pastor, I'll probably be in a good place to, um, to speak to other pastors and elders about the, about the great need in, in prison, about the need not only for prison ministry, but even better than that, reformed prison ministry. There's a great need, uh, for, not just for people going in and ministering in prisons, but for people bringing um, what they said at uh, the Ligonier Conference. Um, they, they said, we, we like to call it the historic Christian faith in order not to offend people, but really what we mean is reformed Christianity. Um, and and, and the, the idea is that there, is a, there, there are people who are going into the prisons, who are bringing every imaginable, imaginable heretical doctrine into the prisons. And uh, there's a great need for orthodox biblical Christianity, or what we would call the Reformed faith. Um, when I got out of solitary confinement, uh, I was able to go through a gang renunciation program. It's called GRAD, Gang Renunciation and Dis Disassociation Program. I went through that program and was released back into general population um, with, with all of that baggage of having been in a gang uh, lifted off of me in, in, 
from the perspective of the uh, administration of the prison. And, and as I went back into general population, um, I had gang tattoos all over me. I, I didn't know what was going to happen. The Lord protected me. Nobody ever came after me. Um, if, if, if anybody's ever been in prison, they know how remarkable a thing that is, that nobody came after me um, be, after having renounced uh, my membership in the gang. Uh, and and the, the point I'm wanting to make there is that the Lord was, was preparing me more and more. Um, and and as, as I went into, as I went back into general population, I was able to attend uh, worship services. But the worship services, I noticed, of course, I was, I was reformed by that time. I'd been listening to R.C. Sproul. Um, I'd been you know, listening to Renewing Your Mind for years by that time reading as much uh, Reformed literature as I possibly could. Um, the, the, the services in the prison were not Reformed. They had a generalized Protestant service. You might have word of, a word of faith preacher coming in uh, one week. You, you, you could have all sorts of, uh, all, all sorts of different things um, uh, from week to week, and it, was, and it differed from week to week. You didn't have the, the consistent, regular... Uh, expository preaching through a book of the Bible that I'm sure you have here. And um, so I, I saw that there was a great lack there, but I, I went to the, the, the prison worship services every Lord's Day in order to testify to, the, to, to those on the cell block that this is what Christians do. They, they go and they worship the Lord. Uh, and and there, was, there was worship that was happening. It wasn't uh, ideal, it wasn't perfect, but this was one of the things that was stirring up within me a great desire to get out and to, and to be uh, together with God's people in a Reformed church. But it was also helping me to see the great need for Reformed ministry. And, and, and your pastor, uh, he's not going to be able to go in on a Sunday morning or a Sunday evening and, and, and regularly preach in a prison. He's, he's got a congregation that he needs to minister to. And so my question was, well, how do we, how do we solve that problem? How do we bridge that gap? And, and uh, the thought was that I would I would go into prison ministry. So, so fast forwarding again to uh, to my time in seminary, I, I, it wasn't really a detour. It was for me. This is I thought pastoral ministry is where the Lord has me, and and I loved it. And I will say to you, I'm I'm in a mourning process right now. I didn't want to leave the church that I was at. The church loved us. We loved them, um, but the Lord had prepared me along the way. I believe for this ministry that I'm doing now, which is, um, which is a ministry of the church that comes alongside, it's, it's um, under the oversight of the PCA's Mission to North America, and, and it's been in existence since 1996. So um, it existed as, as a parachurch organization prior to, uh, to coming under the oversight of the PCA, and the goal of this ministry is to, uh, to do prison ministry in a reformed way, connecting prisoners with the visible church and the visible church with prisoners, and, and to bring uh, prisoners into contact, into meaningful, ongoing, relational contact with, um, with the church and with um, uh, Christ and the means of grace. And so it's a, it's a means of grace ministry. I, I'll often... I've got I've got four C's, you know, because as a pastor you have to you know you have to have these this alliteration, um, 
the, the uh, Metanoia Prison Ministries is a confessional ministry. We, we want to remain uh, faithful to um, the Westminster uh, Confession of Faith and shorter and larger catechisms. And in fact, we, we want to use those um, tools that God has given to us. Uh, we want to use those tools in our teaching ministry in, in the prisons. And so um, uh, just as you catechize your children, uh, we want to we want to um, do as much as we possibly can to catechize those who are in prison. Um, we're we're not only confessional, uh, but we are also connectional, and that means that we're we're thinking about the church as um, as as a connectional body. Um, we're thinking uh, for one thing, we want prisoners who are um, who are growing in their understanding of the knowledge of Christ to understand that Christ is not disconnected from his body. He's, he's the head. We are the body. Uh, he's the husband. We are the bride. And so what we're wanting prisoners to understand is the, is the need to be a part of the body of Christ. Um, even, as, as, as I mentioned, as you all have, have sought to do, even while you're in prison, to reach out and, and, to, um, and to be a part of uh, the body of Christ as much as you possibly can. Uh, while you're in prison, but also ministering to the church so that the church will understand its part, its role in reaching in to the prisons and, um, and being ready to welcome and to receive those who have a credible profession of faith, those who are um, uh, not only uh, saying that they believe the right things, uh, but also who are living a life that's transformed by the gospel and, and, and that's discernible. That's something that's discernible, especially by uh, the elders, but discernible by the whole church. Um, they're walking with the Lord. Uh, so we're uh, connectional in that sense. We're also uh, seeking to be covenantal. And when, when we speak of the covenant, we're, you know, that's a whole uh, series of Sunday school lessons in and of itself. But when I think of uh, that word covenantal, I think of the whole life of a people who have been transformed uh, by the grace of God in His Son Jesus Christ, that whole body life of a congregation, um, and, and and how that manifests itself in everything that we do, um, and so what we want to do is, insofar as it's possible, we want to bring prisoners into connection with that covenant life that we find in um, in a congregation of God's people. Uh, it it's not. You're not going to see them coming into worship on the Lord's Day. But there are ways in which we can actually minister to them. Um, and, and I'll, I'll uh, share with you in a moment some of the ways that Metanoia uh, helps to do that. And then the last thing is uh, compassionate. Uh, because all the other things really um, amount to very little unless we have a heart of compassion, which is really the, the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, How often in the scriptures are we told that the heart of Christ was filled with compassion? Compassion for people who had it all together? Compassion for sinners. Sinners who um, need to grow. or need, Need to know the Lord Jesus Christ, for one thing, but even those who do know the Lord Jesus, um, all of us are at varying stages in our Christian life. Some of us are baby Christians. Some of us have been uh, Christians for many, many years and have 
grown much in the faith. But all of us need to grow. And all of us need to be a part of the body of Christ in, in engaging with others and helping others to grow. That's really what we're called to do. We're called to serve one another. Um, the Christian life, is, um, as we were blessed to hear at the Ligonier Conference um, yesterday, the Christian life is not a solo life. It's not a monastic life. Uh, it's not just me, myself, and, and Jesus. It's the church together as the body of Christ working together so that each member of the church will grow more and more in the likeness of Christ and so that we can reach out uh, as transformed people to, uh, as, as, as worshiping witnesses, I, I would always say at the church in Virginia Beach, we're worshiping witnesses. Um, the main thing we do is we worship, but we want to bring others into that worship. And so uh, we're, we're called to, um, to minister the grace of God to others and to seek their growth. Uh, in grace. And so um, I want to just say a few words. Uh, how, long, how long do we have for Sunday school? Till 1030. Okay, because I want to open it up for, for questions as well. But I want to say a few words about what Metanoia Prison Ministries does in particular. As I mentioned, it's a ministry uh, of the church. Um, uh, a particular denomination has taken on this ministry. Um, the, the PCA has uh, has done this in and I will say, as an OPC minister who loves the OPC and uh, who really doesn't want to um, transfer out of the OPC because I love the OPC so much and I love um, uh, many, many people in the OPC and the OPC was the church that welcomed me when I got out of prison and, and a, an OPC pastor brought me into his home. But I will say that um, in God's providence, the PCA has, has taken the lead in um, in prison ministry in a way that the OPC probably could not have done, just because of the size difference. And, and so what they've done is they've, they've established, um, and really the ministry uh, existed before it came into the PCA, but a, a ministry has been established, a reformed prison ministry has been established to, to bring the gospel in a distinctively reformed way into the prisons. And so I'm thankful that the PCA has done that. However, uh, we, we have a board, um, uh, a governing board that is distinct from the oversight of the PCA, and, and, and it's just an interesting way that that has worked itself out. And that board is, is, is really the day-to-day governance of the ministry. And, and what they have said is we want to be an ecumenically reformed denomination in the sense that we, we want... Anybody who is interested in prison ministry uh, from a Reformed perspective, we want anybody, any church, uh, whether they be um, OPC, PCA, RPCNA, I was just preaching at an RPCNA congregation a couple Sundays ago, um, NAPARC denominations and Reformed Baptists, we want them to be involved, uh, to be able to be involved together in, in this work of the whole church. And, and I'm thinking even more broadly, the, the the, uh, in an ecumenical way. Uh, we're going to remain reformed. We're going to remain committed to the Westminster standards. Um, that's, that's, a, that's a commitment that I have for sure. But I, I just wanted to express appreciation for, for what um, our sister denomination, the PCA, has, has been able to do that, that I would say it would be very difficult for us as the OPC to, to do what has been done. Uh, metanoia uh, really, um, you, could, you could think of it in, in, three, in, in terms of three main uh, uh, areas. The first would be our correspondence ministry. 
uh, for those in prison to receive a letter of encouragement, um, to have somebody on the outside who actually cares um, is, is huge. It's, it's really um, a ministry all in and of itself. And, and what we've done is we've created correspondence courses that um, our graders on the outside, we call them corresponding disciplers, uh, receive the booklets and um, they grade lessons and they write a letter of encouragement to prisoners. And, and that can be as extensive or as short as you, as you want it to be, maybe three hours of your time a month, uh, so that anybody can, can be involved in prison ministry without having to go into a prison. Um, and and what, what we found is that in a lot of churches, there are people who, who feel as if they don't really have, um, uh, everybody has gifts, everybody has an area of service, but they're not really sure, where, where, where do I fit in? Where can I serve? Um, this is one way that uh, those who would like to be invested and involved in the life of another person who may not know the Lord or who may not know the Lord very well, or who may even know the Lord uh, far better than you do, and you may be uh, blessed and ministered to by that person. We've seen that um, happen quite often. And I've seen it happen in my own involvement with prisoners as I've done prison ministry. And so uh, the, the correspondence ministry is simply writing a letter, grading lessons. The lessons go from, from basic to more advanced. And eventually, if they, if they make it through, they're able to... Um, uh, to take Ligonier courses. We've got a ministry partnership with, with Ligonier that allows that. Uh, Ligonier also sends in uh, Reformation study Bibles for them in a, in a paperback edition because most prisons won't allow um, a hardback book. And so they'll send in those, um, uh, those Reformation study Bibles to our students. And so um, there's no direct contact between, uh, between you and the prisoner. Uh, the Materials go through our home office in, in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and then uh, to you, and then back to the prisoner through that channel. Uh, so there's no direct contact, um, but there is an opportunity for you, if, if you would like to, to be involved in that, to, um, to, to sign up as a corresponding discipler. We'll send you all the materials. We'll, 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 um, uh, we'll, there are videos that you can watch and so forth on how to do that. And you can talk to me afterwards about that, either, either after um, Sunday school or after the worship service, about how to sign up for that. Another thing that we do is, in areas where we see potential for this, we set up a ministry. And so uh, ministry really needs to be at the heart of, of what the church does. The preaching of the word is the main means of, uh, of grace. And so we want to um, establish what we call preaching points in prisons. Um, and so if you know of um, someone who's involved in prison who would like us to come alongside, uh, let me know. Um, you, can, you can contact me about that. We, we establish uh, preaching points. Uh, we have regional directors in, in various areas of the country, though we need more. We don't have one for uh, Ohio. And so if you know of someone who is uh, seeking to do ministry um, and, and, and would like to think about this kind of ministry, again, please send them my way. Um, and, and we have, um, so we'll set up a preaching point. And then what we, what we hope to do is we hope to set up a mentoring ministry where people from the outside can minister directly face-to-face in a personal way um, 
over a long period of time, this is that covenantal aspect that I was talking about, where the church as the body of Christ is, is going in to prisons and sitting down across from a, another uh, person, whether they be a believer or not, and opening up the scriptures with them and walking them through. And we've seen lives greatly changed um, through this. We have um, a whole prison in Georgia. It's called Walker State Prison. It's a faith and character-based prison. And our mentoring ministry has, has made a tremendous difference there. Um, most prisons in the state of Georgia have a recidivism rate of about 60 to 70%. That means 60 to 70% of those who are released will come back. Uh, Walker State Prison, for a variety of reasons, but I would also believe that part of this has to do with our mentoring ministry, uh, has a recidivism rate of from 3 to 5%. So uh, the faith and character-based program um, is, we don't know what to attribute all of those things to, but that, that program is a program that, uh, that seems to be making a difference in, in people's lives. And, it, and it's a prison unlike any that I've ever seen before. I had a, uh, the opportunity to tour that prison a couple of weeks ago, and I was astonished. Uh, I sat across from the warden, and uh, she told me that Metanoia Prison Ministries and the mentoring program um, it, it was, is just greatly appreciated by her and by all of the staff. I saw um, the staff of that prison treating prisoners with dignity and respect. Um, I, I saw a, a place in which the prisoners themselves uh, were treating the officers with great respect. Um, what I'm told is there's no fighting on this prison, which is, to me, having been in prison for 15 and a half years, and in prison where every, in, in some prisons, maximum security prisons, where every time the doors opened up, something was happening. Something was, as we would say, something's going to kick off. Uh, Every time the doors opened up, something was happening. And, to, and to, to be in a prison where there's no fighting, there's no cursing, there's no rule infraction. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but when it happens, they're gone. They're out of the program. Um, that's how firm they are with, with, these, with these men. And, and what I saw there with the mentoring program was men whose lives have been changed and transformed. Um, also, there is a... Um, a seminary program. Uh, it's called Mintz Seminary in Prison, and we have classes um, uh, every, every Monday for 10 weeks. They'll take a course, and then they'll have a week break, and then they'll take another course. And so seminary classes are being taught there at, uh, at Walker State Prison. Uh, and so it's, it's a prison unlike any that I've ever seen before. What we would like to see, uh, we're not going to be able to re- replicate everything that's happening at Walker because the whole prison is a faith and character-based prison, and not every prison system is going to even allow that. Um, but what we'd like to do, at least, is take that mentoring aspect and, and do that in various other prisons, even here in Ohio. And maybe you already know of uh, some prisons where, uh, nearby where that could happen. Uh, and then, then the third aspect is our re-entry aspect. And, and this is where uh, we've established a connection with someone as you all have established a connection with Clint, and, and, you, and you know that um, that time of getting out of prison is a very um, difficult 
uh, a very precarious time for prisoners. Um, just to give you a sense of it from my own experience, I had been a Christian for nine years. Uh, and when I got out in 2009, I got on the bus and I went to Dallas, Texas, and I was in a main uh, bus transit area where buses are going this way and buses are going that way, and there are tons of people. And uh, I was not used to being around that many people who could do whatever they wanted to do. Uh, and so I got, I stood there and I got, got up against the wall, put my back against the wall, and I was just looking around at what was happening. People were going this way and that way, and I, and and I knew I was free, but, I, but it hadn't yet really registered to me. And um, in prison, if you see people running around just doing whatever they want to do, uh, there's, there's an order in prison. And, and there was just no order. There was no structure. And, um, and, and I, was out of, I was very much out of my element. Um, and and, and it, I, I remember that. Another thing I remember is going to Walmart for the first time and um, in prison, you have one choice of what kind of deodorant you're going to put on. That's it. In Walmart, you have a whole shelf. And you, you, you experience this, this phenomenon of having uh, TMC, too many choices. Um, and and, it's, and it's, par- it's, it's paralyzing. And, th- and that's just with small things. And so I think it's helpful for you all to know this is, this is what Clint is going to experience when he gets out. He needs um, people who are committed to him, who, who, who love him enough to come alongside of him and help him have the structure in his life that he's going to need in order to succeed. Because even a Christian who doesn't have all of that uh, love and support around him um, is very prone to fall and to fail. And, and, and uh, so you, you want to be aware of that. And, um, and you want, to, you want to be able to, to think through what are the ways that we as a church can serve and, and minister. Well, what we do is we, we seek to um, reintegrate prisoners with a focus not being so much on um, you know, having all the things that they need, transportation and, and housing and all, this, all those things they need to have. But our focus is the main thing needs to be in place. And that is the church. Where are you going to go to church? Do you have a congregation of people who are ready to receive you? And uh, are you willing also um, to, uh, to realize that, that there's going to be perhaps some time period where people are kind of getting used to you and, and used to the idea of you being there and, and, not, and, and, and wondering how, how that's going to go? And are you willing to take every step from your side uh, to, to help the elders and to help the congregation to, to know that you're serious about walking with the Lord and, and that you are, are humble enough to receive their, their help, their instruction, their counsel, even uh, their admonition at times? And so we, we try to walk the prisoner through that, and we also try to walk churches through that as well. We want to come alongside churches and, and churches who really may not know what to do with, with this idea of someone coming out of prison and, and sitting on the same uh, pew together with your family. I've got five children. I, 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 know, I, know, what, you know, I, I know those thoughts that, that go through our minds. Um, but we want to help churches to think through how do we do that in a way that's uh, gracious, Christ-like, but also in a way that, um, uh, that ensures the safety 
of, of the congregation as well. Um, and so those are, those are some of the things that we do. Um, our website is metanoiaprisonministries.org. Um, I'll, just, I'll just say this now so you'll see it immediately, but our website needs a little bit of work. Um, it looks like it was made in the 90s, probably because it was. Um, so just give us some time on that. Um, but, um, but the content is, is for the most part, um, uh, still accurate. Uh, some of that needs to be updated as well. Um, but would love for you to go to the website, uh, see what we do, uh, consider being um, part of our um, uh, correspondence ministry team um, if, you're, if you're able to do that or if that's something that interests you. Sometimes families will do that uh, together. Um, and so you can think about that as well. Um, we'd love for you to be just praying for us, uh, keeping us on the prayer sheet. Uh, if you have a Wednesday night prayer meeting or, 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 or um, men and women's prayer meetings, um, keep us on your prayer sheet. That, that'd be a great blessing to me personally to know that you're praying for us. Um, there are other opportunities to serve as well um, on the website. You can, you, can, you can see that as well. So, um, I think that's about everything that I didn't even I didn't even do anything with our presentation, but that's okay. I think that's about everything that uh, that I'd like to say this morning. But I would like to to take some time and, and ask if there are any questions. And there's a microphone that's going to come around as well. So, so I was involved with Kairos uh, Prison Ministry. You're familiar with yes, them. Yes, sir. And they had, uh, when a group went in, they had training to actually go into the prison. Is that something that uh, this organization does too? A, a weekend or just an evening? Or how do you hand, how do you do that? Are, are you asking about training for our volunteers? Y yes, for uh, I'm asking uh, if you actually go into the prisons to do that. People <laughs> people need to be aware of the emotions that are going to come across them. Exactly, right, exactly. All of our volunteers uh, do receive training. Our mentors receive uh, uh, training and, and orientation before they go in. They, they receive training uh, not only from us, from the metanoia side, but they also usually will receive training from the state, uh, from the chaplaincy department as well. So at, at Walker State Prison, you mentioned a three to five percent recidivism rate. Um, do you know what percentage of the prisoners are in the program? Uh, uh, throughout the state? N do you mean in walk at Walker? So, oh, oh, in our program? Yes. Oh, okay. That's a good question. I actually don't know the answer okay. to that. It's it's going to be a smaller number. Okay. Um, there, Walker State is not a Christian. Right. Uh, um, prison or a, 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 a prison that's only for Christians. Gotcha. Um, it, it, it's open to any faith group or organization or church. Um, and so uh, we, we, it's not limited in that way. Gotcha. Um, the, the number of those who are in our mentoring program is, is relatively small, even, even um, you know, with respect to the, the population of the prison. I think there are 400 and something prisoners. Oh, okay. And we have um, 100 who have mentors. Um, and we, we, we have many more who, who would like to have some, uh, who would like to have a mentor as well. 
Okay. So, so that, that three to five percent is your this people who are in your it's, program? It's the whole prison. It's the wow, yeah. the whole prison. Yeah. So the prison so so we can't take you know, we okay, of course what, what we would say is the Lord is at work for sure. Okay. Um, in the hearts of those who have been mentored. Mm-hmm. But there's there's something else here as well. The 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 state is um, is I, w- I would say what the state is doing is it's opening the doors wide in, in a way that um, it's not the state endorsing a particular mm-hmm. religion, but they're opening right. the doors and they're saying, please come. Right. We, we want your help. We, we believe that, that, that um, you, can, you can do something that we can't do. Um, I don't know if they put it this way, but, but I would say the state can't change the heart. Cognitive therapy is not going to change the heart. Um, but the state can open the doors up and allow volunteers to come in, and that's exactly what they've done there. And I'm very, very thankful for that. I would assume as well, so when the state says that Christian groups can come, they're they, they are required to allow any religion whatsoever. They do, correct yes. Right? So, for example, when I was there um, mentoring uh, or, or uh, observing the mentoring going on, um, we were closing in prayer, and there was a Muslim group just a few feet away. I had noticed them when, when, I, when I walked in, uh, but they were gathered together and very loudly began their, their prayers. And so you, you see, even in that, um, uh, part of, what's, part of what, we're, what we're doing is there's an apologetics element to what we're doing as well. Um, we're, we're seeking to, uh, to help prisoners to defend their faith. Um, but it's open, that, that prison unit is open, um, anybody can also ask for a mentor. Anybody, even, even a Muslim, could ask for a mentor, but of course we're going to be mentoring from a Christian perspective. We're allowed to do that, which, is, which I think is wonderful. So um, <clears throat> probably the modern-day tax collector are those people that will appear on a list that can't go by schools, you know, if you get by gist. Um, and I'm sure there's obstacles or challenges for those people that have converted in, in, in prisons to then get in, integrated in a church like based upon securities and all the other stuff. Um, how does that look? I'm just out of, out of a practical standpoint because, uh, you know, because that is like the modern-day scarlet letter. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. Um, at our church, we had a very good child protection policy. We had a uh, child protection committee, um, and uh, they, they came up with what I believe to be a, a really good um, policy we were very committed to ensuring that everything that we did fell under the rubric of that policy. Um, meanwhile, we also want to be welcoming, uh, and 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 so how do you how do you balance those those two things? Well, in, in one sense, you can't, there's it's it's not a question of balance. It's it's a question of uh, what can we do? Um, uh, what can we do to to minister? Uh, to those who are in that that situation, while not um, jeopardizing the safety uh, of of the rest of the congregation, that's that's a, an important question. And and so one of the things we do at Metanoia is we try to help churches walk through some of those questions. We have model uh, policies. Uh, we have also a, a model uh, covenant that the offender is um, is uh, the ex offender is 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 supposed to sign and and work together with their elders. Here are the things that I'm committed to do um, because um, I recognize that there's this need for, for me to, um, to demonstrate 
to the congregation that I'm that I'm that I'm willing to um, to, to to live my life in a, in a way that's above board. And so there there may be certain stipulations that someone with um, with a, a criminal background might be asked by the elders to um, to adhere to, and and that shouldn't be. I would say for the for the the person coming out of prison, you should you should expect that people are going to have concerns, and you want to do everything that you can to um, uh, uh, to walk within um, the the guidelines that your elders are setting before you, uh, recognizing that it's not about you. It's about the whole church, and you, and you need to be willing to uh, to do that. So, so we we walk with churches on on questions like that. Very difficult questions. We've actually got a whole class that we do for sessions or for congregations. It's called Grace and the Sex Offender. Um, so, um, if anybody would be interested in in knowing more about that, you can contact me. So, um, I've heard that uh, in certain prisons, it is more difficult for a Christian ministry to get into a prison uh, than maybe uh, the Muslim faith or Nation of Islam for whatever reason, but um, also uh, we know in our culture now there's an effort to rebrand Christianity in certain circles as a white privileged religion. But we also know that a disproportionate number of prisoners allegedly are African-American and they need the gospel desperately. Does your ministry have any metrics, if you will, on uh, success with uh, connecting with our African-American brothers in prison? Is there success there with that? It's a good question. We don't have, I I don't think we have any metrics. I'd I'd have to ask um, the former director about that. I don't think we have any metrics Per se, but what I will say is that we're we're a ministry that is seeking to bring the gospel to the nations in prison, um, and and there are hindrances. Um, I I don't know if um, if I would. I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe it's state by state. I'm not sure what what um, the the difficulties might be for Christian organizations. Um, as opposed to uh, other organizations, usually prison systems uh, kind of have to be um, open to whoever. What I, what I have found is this is this is where I I've seen a, a, in my mind a difficulty, and that is that typically the the generalized Protestant service is um, is seen as sufficient. And and so those who would like a a specifically reformed worship service, you're you're told, well, you already have a general, you already have a Protestant worship service, um, and, and so that's that's where I've found that that it it, it can be more difficult uh, for those who want to come in into the prison in a in a in a very distinctively reformed way, uh, but we're seeking to minister to um, all kinds and categories of people, and if we run into those kinds of 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 difficulties, um, we'll seek to work that out with the administration insofar as we can. Yes, sir. Get backing off of this. Is this being done in uh, women's prisons as well, or just because I know we kind of have the mindset male in prisons, or I'm just wondering if this is being done in female prisons as well? Yes, sir. Um, thankfully, our correspondence ministry is is definitely in women's and, um, and men's prisons. Um, 
we have had a mentoring ministry at a uh, a women's prison in South Carolina. It's called Leith Correctional Facility. Uh, a lot of our efforts, um, uh, we, we ran into a, a lot of difficulty during COVID, and, and so we've had to scale back in some places because of that, because of uh, rule changes. And um, our ministry to the women at Leith in South Carolina was was one of the casualties of of, of that. Uh, we're we're trying to get back in. Um, it's gonna it's probably gonna take some time. Um, and we're looking at, uh, I was just talking with our correspondence ministry uh, facilitator, we're looking at doing some uh, correspondence courses that are um, written by women for women. Um, and so that's one of the things that we're looking at. Um, um, I've got a, a friendship with um, Rosaria Butterfield, so I'm, I'm hopeful that she'll allow us to use um, uh, her book, um, uh, on uh, on her conversion, that's perhaps one of our uh, one of our courses. Um, but um, we're, we're we're seeking to minister to both men and women, and and uh, and when we do a mentoring program in a women's prison, obviously we're going to be seeking to recruit uh, female volunteers to do that. Uh, of course, the difficulty is that that um, a lot of times you, you it's 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 difficult to get men. Uh, to mentor in a men's prison, but it can be even more difficult uh, to recruit women to do mentoring because a lot of times, uh, like my wife, uh, she's she's caring for five children, you know, so it's it's very difficult for her to 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 do anything more than what she's doing. We understand that, but for those who are in a different season of life who may who may be interested, uh, maybe there's a women's prison nearby that um, where where we could begin a mentoring ministry. Maybe there's somebody here in in this room or. or uh, somebody that you know who would, who would be interested in that, and you can contact us about that. Yes, sir. Do you know yet what your uh, specific role will be with, uh, with Metanoia? Will you be kind of um, working to expand the, um, the reach of the ministry? Will you be going into the prisons and, and talking to uh, talking to prisoners, um, what will your your role be? All of the above. <laughs> um, I will be ministering in prisons, um, overseeing our regional directors in, in, wherever we have regional directors. So overseeing all of the operations of our ministry um, for the whole United States and Canada. Um, I I'm, I'm basically an ambassador for the ministry, so I'm going to be spending probably a lot more time uh, doing things like this in churches, visiting churches, uh, presenting, uh, preaching if they'll, if they'll allow me to do so, and, um, and really trying to uh, let people know about the ministry. Um, one of the things that I'm, uh, I'm really wanting to do is, is recruit um, new regional directors. So if you know men who are, um, uh, you know, who are on the track for ministry, and and would and are thinking perhaps in this direction or uh, or would be willing to think about it. Um, I'd love to talk to those to those individuals. Um, so there there's a lot involved. I'm 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 feeling pretty overwhelmed right now. If I can if I can be honest with you, um, but there are a number of reasons why my wife and I believe that this is what we're called to do. Even though. Uh, you know, when I when I first approached her about it, I said, um, I said, May, this is going to involve probably 120 days a year of travel, 
And she said, well, I think we should do it because I think the Lord's calling you to it. Uh, she was the first one to say that. And so if she had not said that, I wouldn't be here right now. Um, but um, uh, I, 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 that's one of the reasons why I'm very thankful for your prayers. Um, I'm, as I said, feeling very overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, oh, there you are. Okay. Um, just reflecting back on your time when you got out of prison and were part of an OP church and, and uh, acclimating, what are things that you wish people in the church kind of knew or things, things where you wish there was more empathy um, and you didn't feel like people really understood what it was like to be you? <laughs> That's a good question. And in my experience, I know the experience of others is going to be different. In, in my experience, I came into a church very much like this one where there was a lot of empathy. Because um, you know, I can say that because I've talked to you, and I know I know what you all are doing, and I and I know that the church has is is fully on board with with what you and the elders are doing, and I'm I'm very thankful. Why I I came into a church that was very much like that, and I and I will say this: I think this perhaps is one area where we in the OPC um, perhaps have. Um, uh, the Lord has has positioned us in a way to do this well because of the things that we hold dear. Um, we hold the means of grace dear. We hold church membership dear, um, and and worship it and and those things. And so um, we we get it when when I say, you know, baptism is the entrance into the visible church and all that goes along with that. If 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 someone believes in the Lord Jesus Christ we would say they ought to be baptized. And if they ought to be baptized, then everything else that flows from that should, should, be, should be available to them insofar as it's possible given the, the restraints that we have. And so uh, I would say my experience was coming into a church that without having anybody to, to, to train them or tell them that, they just naturally, um, or supernaturally I should say, uh, by the grace of God, they got that, and and I and that's what I that's what I've seen here. That's why I'm so thankful um, to to you know to be able to to speak to you all because you've encouraged my heart already in in your willingness, your desire to um, to be the body of Christ to those in prison and and those perhaps getting out as well. Uh, I, I know that didn't really answer the question, but um, yes, ma'am. I was just wondering, like, what, um, like, when I meet somebody and they come to the church the first time and it's a like an everyday visitor, like, I like, hey, what do you do? Where are you from? What do you like to do? Um, whereas a prisoner or someone coming out of prison, you wouldn't necessarily ask <laughs> those types of questions. I guess I don't know. I mean, you could ask them, I guess, where they're initially from, but like, what kinds of things would you implore us to talk to them about? And how much should we talk about what incarcerated them in their prison life? Good, yeah. good questions. I um. Can I just say real quick? I remember our, our first conversation that we ever had. It was orientation at the seminary. We were all sitting around the table at this barbecue place, and we're all getting to know one another. And Lola sitting directly across from me and said, "So, like, what have you been doing?" He's like, "Well, I've been in prison for the last 15 years," <laughs> and it was exactly that thing. Like, well, I said, "Well, that's not what I expected you to say." <laughs> You, I forgot that conversation. Thanks for reminding me, Brad. 
Um, I would say that you want to treat someone coming out of prison, I'm assuming that you know that they're coming out of prison. Not all, you're not always going to know that. Um, sometimes there are some telltale signs, you know, the tattoos and things like that. Um, but um, you treat them like you treat anybody else. You just, you just treat them as an ordinary person made in the image of God. And, um, and you, as you get to know them, you may also get to know that they have been redeemed by Christ. They love the Lord. They're walking with Him. Um, I, this, this really kind of leads into a story, um, a quick story about uh, how May and I met. Um, the first time that I saw her, I had a short sleeve, a nice shirt, short sleeve shirt on, but it was the only nice shirt that I had. And of course, she could see my tattoos, and um, I was definitely showing that I was interested in in getting to know her or, or to meet her. And she was definitely showing she did not want to meet me or to get to know me. And um, and so the next Sunday. I positioned myself at the back of the church where she would have to come through the, the door to talk to me. And um, she, the, she, she, the way she would put it is she said, right away, I, I saw that he loved the Lord. And she, she did ask me those questions. She asked me the question, you know, so what have you been doing? She didn't know I was right out of prison. And I just, I told her. Uh, because it's part of what God has done in, in, in my own life. And I think that um, someone coming out of prison may, this gets to your question, Matthew, they, they may feel very self-conscious. They probably will feel very self-conscious. Um, I felt more comfortable because I knew I was in a church that I could, that, that I, I, I could be who I was. Um, and so you want to treat um, someone coming out of prison as, as you would anyone else. Um, I don't think you should feel... Um, uh, like you, there's there's certain uh, you know third rail kinds of things. Um, eventually, but you, you don't necessarily or you're not necessarily gonna, if you know that they were in prison, you're not necessarily going to ask about the crime that got them there. You want you maybe you'll you'll ask other things that will eventually lead into into that. If they want to talk about it, they will. Um, but um, certainly, I think the elders would want to have those very frank conversations, would want to know, uh, and, and, I would, and I would want to, to know that someone who has been in prison is being forthright and, is, and is, is sharing the things that need to be shared with their elders, but not everything needs to be known by everybody in the church. That's, that's going to be a factor of your relationship with them as it develops over time. Uh, but just, just treat them normally. Don't um, try, try as much as you can to make them comfortable, to make them feel welcome. This is what we tried to do for everybody in our church in Virginia Beach. We wanted our church to be a, a welcoming and friendly place for anybody to come, no matter, no matter what their background, no matter, no matter what they had ever done in, in their past. Um, we wanted them to hear of the grace of, of Christ in the gospel, and if they already knew the Lord, we wanted to rejoice in that and, and walk alongside with them. Because um, really, all of us have a past, it's just it's just a question of um, degree in some in, in some ways it's just a, a, a question of degree. We all have a past. We 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 of all people in the Reformed churches understand the the weightiness and the magnitude of our own sins and what does that do? It enables us to humbly minister uh, to those who are also sinners like we are.
Thank you so much, brother, for coming and encouraging us. Thank you all for your great questions. And uh, let's pray in closing. Lord, we thank you so much for your intervening grace in Lowell's life. Thank you, Lord, so much for those beloved brothers and sisters who caused that radio program to go through the airwaves and, and to reach our brother. We thank you for the gift of faith in his life. And we thank you for all the people who invested in him and encouraged him, and especially for his first church when he got out and for the love that they showed him. And now, Lord, we thank you so much for the ministry that he's a part of with Metanoia. And, and Lord, we lift him up to you and his family, and we pray for him as there's so much um, to do, so much to consider, um, feeling overwhelmed with so many different important and good things. We pray that the, the power of the Holy Spirit would be at work in him to give him both discernment and also wisdom and strength for all that you've given him. We pray that you would further the work of Metanoia, investing in new prisons and in new places, and also in stirring up Christians um, to fulfill that good word that you called us to do, um, to care for those in prison and to remember them as though in prison ourselves. Lord, we ask for your, your grace, and we ask for your strength for us as a church as we minister to Clint, and we're so thankful for him and his baptism this coming Thursday. We ask that that would really encourage his faith and that, Lord, as he becomes one with us as part of the body, visible body of Christ here, um, that we would show forth the love of Christ to him and that, Lord, your, your gospel would go forward into new hearts. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all for coming.